One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're reviewing Freaky and the Comeback Trail, as well as all the latest trailer and movie news. Let's get into it. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies, so let's do it, Lee. Let's get freaky. Let's get freaky. All right, so the first movie we're reviewing is Freaky, Mm -hmm. and it's a twisted take on the traditional body swap movie that sees a reserved teenage girl switch bodies with a ruthless serial killer with only 24 hours to swap back before the change becomes permanent. The movie stars Catherine Newton as Millie and Vince Vaughn as the Blissfield Butcher. Isn't it great to see Vince Vaughn in a movie again? I enjoyed him in this so much and we'll talk about that later. Of course. It's directed by Christopher Landon of Paranormal Activity franchise fame and also the Happy Death Day series Mm -hmm. as well. From a screenplay by Landon and Michael Kennedy. Okay, so let's talk about the story and the concept first. So it's kind of like this satire on the genre of horror slasher Mm. teenage. I mean, how good is the opening? It really does lean into that horror trope of a mass murder of, you know, dumb teenagers. Yeah, it's really paying homage to like Jason and Friday the 13th with like the masks covering his face and not saying anything. I love that he didn't have much of a script when he was the Blissfield Butcher. He was so terrifying. He was terrifying. He wore this, oh, this mask that was kind of just off to the mouth, off to the center. It was definitely a call to Jason Voorhees of anything else. It's not a new idea, this 
concept, but they're having so much fun with the twist on it. And that's what I really loved about this film. It's so much fun. I'm going to say that so much throughout the whole episode, but (laughs) it is. It really is so much fun. It certainly sets it up as this cheesy, but also knowingly cliched take on the genre, doesn't it? Like it's very self-aware that it's going to throw so much cheese at you. You're going to be dodging blocks of cheese. (laughs) And the cliche is just like, you just can't dodge the cliche. It's just like cheese and cliche coming at you from every angle. But it works, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a cheeky wink more than, you know, ripping off or or making fun of this. It's laughing with it instead of at it. And I think that the best way this film laughs at itself, right, is through Vince Vaughn's betrayal of his character Mm. when he is swapped bodies and he is portraying the teenage girl. I really enjoyed seeing him in this performance and didn't he do such a great job like physically was so convincing and even the cadence of his voice and it wasn't over the top it wasn't cheesy as you said it wasn't crazy i mean it harkens back i guess to jack black's performance in jumanji in the first one when he he did really well with that but i've never seen vince vaughn like this and i just loved it that's such a great comparison and i think that he probably did a better job than Jack Black. I mean, not that we're here here to compare Jack Black and Vince Vaughn in this podcast, but I think that they were given a similar challenge and I think Vince Vaughn really just went for it. And you usually see Vince Vaughn in these kind of snarky or sarcastic roles and it was just so refreshing to see him do something like this and do it so well. Mm. And the sheer ridiculousness of the situations that he was put in just lend itself to great comedy. Oh, 100%. Can we talk about the concept itself? Now, mm. look, we clearly really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. And I love a slasher flick that goes to all sorts of, you know, ridiculous directions. Like, I'm all for it. But maybe they just didn't give a shit. But the whole premise about this magical dagger, <laughs> this sacrificial dagger from what Mayan times yeah. in Mexico or whatever, you know, if you don't follow through with the sacrifice properly, it then means that you swap consciousness, you swap yeah. bodies. And then if you don't follow through with the sacrifice within 24 hours, you are then stuck in that body forever. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like it was knowingly such a sloppy explanation. Really? Yeah. I just thought they just didn't quite nail that. I mean, look, you're not meant to believe everything that this movie, what happens in this movie. I get it. But I think it it must have done it on purpose because I felt like they didn't really nail that concept very well. But when you think of the movies that it's sort of nodding to, like Freaky Friday, for example. Yeah. It's not really explained very well how this happens. It's, it's true. a wish or a dream or something. Like it's what it's supposed to be, I think. I think this movie I need to take my critic's hat off or just tilt it to the side mm. a little bit and not kind of like pull apart the script so much. Can we get back to Vince Vaughn's performance a little bit more? Because yes. I found it so interesting that the way he portrayed himself as the teenage girl was so utterly convincing Mm -hmm. which is crazy but it shows how effective gender performance can be in a biologically different body Mm. just on another level yeah what do you think he nailed so much just that it wasn't making fun of teenage girls or looking down on teenage girls. It was, he really embodied a teenage girl. Yeah. He was so convincing. Yeah. And I mean, she, the character of Millie was going through a lot, wasn't Mm, she? mm -hmm. She was bullied severely. Uh, She had some challenging home life with her Mm. mom. You know, her father passed away the year before. Her mom was an alcoholic. Mm. Her sister was a local cop who obviously played a pivotal role later Mm. in the film in trying to save the day. And yeah, I guess he brought, uh, humanity to the role. Like he got her 
And it wasn't, yeah, I guess you're right. He wasn't making fun of her. And even in the interactions with her high school crush, I actually found that more believable than when she was in her own body and interacting with him. And to be fair, they didn't get a lot of screen time together like Mm, that. So, you know, fair enough. And no shade at Catherine Newton at all because she's fantastic too. But yeah, it was hilarious and so convincing. Oh, utterly. Can we talk about Catherine Newton's performance? Yeah. And that fucking stare. <laughs> She's terrifying. She's absolutely terrifying. Uh, she will give me nightmares if I just think back to that to that stare. She played Sinister incredibly well. So well. And what I really love is that they weren't unbelievable in her abilities. So when she was the Blissfield Butcher, she's mm. still in the body of a teenage girl. So she couldn't do the things or he couldn't do the things that he used to be able to do. And I love that they... They would stay true to that. Yes. So she had to come up with creative ways to kill people because she didn't have that brute strength that Vince Vaughn had. I think they did really well in having the characters understand their bodies when they had swapped mm. and kind of like, okay, being very conscious of their abilities. You know, that funny moment in the bathroom where, mm. you know, she's standing up weeing well, <laughs> he's standing up weeing. I don't know who, who do you say? He, she, and you know, that was, you know, expected and a bit crude, but it was very funny and effective. But and they- then when she's throwing people around, you know, she's getting thrown around a lot because she's this serial killer, but in a you know, mm. 16 year old's body or whatever. But I like that they didn't go to the obvious place with that where, you know, look staring at your genitals and feeling yourself up. There was a little bit of a, oh, I've got <laughs> boobs. But you know what I mean? They didn't go to that place and I liked that. Yeah. I mean, they touched on it very quickly and then moved on yep. because there are other things to do, clearly. One bugbear I had was the spatial awareness of this film. And again, I think it's <laughs> doing it on purpose. The fact that it's a horror trope where, you cut and they're miles down the road or, you yeah. know, they're around the corner and they're spending so much time in this school and, and he is a known serial killer. Like everyone in the town in the school recognizes him, but they spend a ridiculous amount of time just casually out in public. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, where is the understanding that you need to hide and be incognito a little bit more here? Yeah. He tries to do that with the help of Millie's friends, Josh, played by Misha Oshurovich, and Nyla, played by Celeste O'Connor, who we're going to see in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, yes. What did you think about their performances and their relationship with Millie? I think they definitely came to fruition more in the body swapping moments. Like you mentioned before, you didn't really get a sense of their friendship before the body swap, but it almost didn't matter because their friendship came through and felt really organic anyway. Mm. And look, the character of Josh, you know, he was playing a a gay kid and he calls that out himself. Did you think that was a little bit over the top? I felt like that character was a little stereotypical, but it worked maybe? Yeah, it worked. I mean, I found him a little bit annoying, to be honest. Okay. But, I mean, it wasn't too much of a bugbear for me personally. So there were so many nods to cult horror tropes and films that we've spoken about already, the foreshadowing, Mm. the falling down at crucial times, jocks behaving badly, gruesome killings. Did you like that? I liked that. I particularly loved a gruesome killing. I love being shocked in these movies. And I think there were several times where I was covering my face. Did you notice <laughs> yeah, that? Or yeah. like I couldn't look at the screen because you know what's coming. Yeah. It's expected. Like if it wasn't as gory as it was, I probably would have been disappointed because it just needed to go to those extremes. This movie was definitely tapping into extremes of the horror genre. But it wasn't too gory. Like, they didn't show things in ridiculous detail that take away the effect of that. You know what I mean? Like, you got some, you get blood splatter, you get mm-hmm. some crazy decapitations and things, but 
sometimes these movies can go way over the top and show like entrails and all that kind of thing. And you go, uh, yeah, like yeah. saw kind of went yeah. a bit too far, didn't it? In yeah. that sort of gore. I feel like this movie walked the line perfectly. I can't sing the praises high enough. Okay. So are we ready to deliver our rating? Lee, how many popcorn kernels will you give freaky? Well, as I've said a million times, it's such a fun movie. Vince Vaughn is a revelation. So is Catherine Newton. It really is so, so good. So I'm going to give it four popcorn kernels. Oh, wow. I'm not going to be too far behind you. I agree that the highlight of this film was certainly Vince Vaughn. It was great to see him on screen again, doing something really, really fun. And you could see how much fun he had. And I thought it was a great homage to horror films and it went to all those extreme levels. I was dodging cheese and cliche left, right and center. (laughs) So I had a really good time. I'm going to give it three popcorn kernels. That's freaky, which is in cinemas now. Run like a serial killer is chasing you to watch it. (laughs) Love it. So let's move on to the comeback trail. The comeback trail follows the story of two movie producers who owe money to the mob. To make money quickly, one decides to set up their aging movie star for an accidental onset death to collect the insurance money. But it goes hilariously wrong, of course. (laughs) It goes so wrong. It's directed by George Gallo, who wrote the original Bad Boys. It's a very interesting piece of trivia. Mm. I didn't really get flavors of Bad Boys in this, but anyway, (laughs) worth calling out. It's also written by George Gallo and Josh Posner, and it's based on the film by Harry Hurwitz, which it's based on an original film from 1982. So it's kind of a remake, if you will. Well, this one stars Robert De Niro, Zach Braff, Morgan Freeman, Tommy Lee Jones, and Emile Hirsch. What a cast. I freaking love this cast so, so much. Can we... Sorry, I just need to launch straight into Mm. how fucking amazing Robert De Niro was in this movie. He's always amazing, though. It's not a surprise, is it? It's not a surprise, but I feel like he just went to this whole other level. He was absolutely hysterical, (laughs) but then he sets up the tone of this whole movie because what transpires is just mass hysteria everywhere you look. So I think he was just... So fantastic in this movie. So it's structured like a 70s movie where they're making a movie within a movie. Yeah. And, or a bit like a spaghetti western maybe. Mm-hmm, sort mm-hmm. of eccentric and told through the lens of a man, obviously, as 70s movies tended to be. Yeah. I love the genre of a movie about making a movie. You There's, like that? Probably because I'm such a film nerd. So any insight that I can get into the movie making process the relationships, how things work, don't work, the little side hustles, you know. And this is just dripping in absolute fraud and Mm. intrigue and mystery and manipulation. And I think it's really interesting and very, very funny how they've pulled it off. I got flavours of maybe Get Shorty, you know, grifting in the movie business or you know, Lone Sharks and mm-hmm. or, or maybe a Coen Brothers film. Definitely had flavors of a Coen Brothers film. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about the pacing of the movie? The pacing of the movie, I felt when I was watching it early on, probably in the first half an hour, that it was taking too long. However, I really enjoyed it because it was, it was setting. There were almost three very clear parts acts to this movie it just took its time for you to understand who the characters were where they were coming from what their situation was and then once the energy started to kick in when they were in production of this of this movie with Mm. Tommy Lee Jones as a lead actor I thought I really appreciated 
the time that it took to set up the premise and everything that it did. I felt like if it had got to that moment too quickly, it would have felt rushed. Mm. Does that make sense? How did, how did you feel about the pacing? Yeah, it was a bit slow in places, mm. a bit uneven, but I enjoyed it. I laughed so hard. Yeah, so, so hard. <laughs> because the pacing let you get to know the characters more. Yep. It was definitely a slow at the beginning because you needed to understand how these people ticked and their circumstance and how desperate they were to be heard, seen and heard and, and make cash. But by the same token, it didn't really go into a lot of detail with characters like Morgan Freeman's character as mm. the loan mm. shark baron or Zach Braff, for example, was really just a straight man to Robert De Niro's hysteria. Totally. Or Tommy Lee Jones's backstory either. Oh, uh, okay. Now that you're calling all those out, you are right. Yeah. I guess the sub-characters remained sub-characters and it yeah. definitely was De Niro's film. But he was the producer. He was the one mm. that had fucked up time and time again. He needed to solve this problem. And I had no issue with how much screen time he had. But I agree that maybe if we got to know Tommy Lee Jones a little bit more, I loved how Emil Hirsch, that big time Hollywood producer mm. came and went, you know, more in the bookends of the movie. Yeah. Well, he's more of a supporting character, but when you mm. get, you know, Morgan Freeman and Tommy Lee Jones on the ticket, you expect them to be all equal footing. And I was a sure. little bit disappointed at the screen time that Morgan Freeman got. I would have liked to have seen him have more to do rather than just sit around on a lounge, be a bit more terrifying. Yeah. He wasn't particularly terrifying. Was he? That's a very good no. point. I mean, no shade at Morgan Freeman, None. the performances of all these actors, like you put all these actors together in a film and you're guaranteed a good time. Yeah. I felt that one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and there's so many to call out, but this one in particular, and I felt it was the turning point in the movie when they went to the nursing home <laughs> I just lapped that up so much. Mm. Just the chaos that ensued, like a beautiful crescendo mm. that led them to Tommy Lee Jones, I thought was just a perfect piece of writing and pacing and character and like <laughs> every. It was just so so fantastic. And Zach Braff's terror at being cornered by all these old women going, "I'll oh, give you, give me a role in your movie." <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I was impressed with Zach Braff, even though he was a bit of a side character. Mm. He was quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can definitely hold his own among these legends of the screen. How, did you love the music of this movie as well? I felt like it was so epic in its stature and presence and it added a lot of jeopardy and atmosphere through it. It felt like you were watching this big, epic Hollywood Western movie, but it was, you know, but from behind the scenes. I thought it was yeah. a really nice element to the film in, in the storytelling mechanic. Yeah, the use of music felt really fitting. It was yeah. perfect from that era and also a yeah, big Hollywood sweeping epic, which this isn't. No. But it fits perfectly in the film. I did have to laugh just talking about, like, the movie and how it's made. Mm. I had to laugh at all the one-shot takes that somehow had close-ups and different angles when they were doing. They were using one camera to film the shots, but when they showed it later, there's all these different angles and close-ups. And I'm like, when did you do all that? It's all, yeah, I know that was funny, and I think that was playing into the satire of it as well because the shots they were using weren't the in-camera shots that the director was capturing, but the shots that we had seen yeah. as the viewer. So it was kind of like they were, yeah, pulling all these shots that supposedly existed in, in their camera that didn't. And I thought <laughs> yeah. it was really, really clever. Yeah, very clever. Yeah, it was clever. Are we ready to review this one? Yeah, perfect. Okay, so I thought this movie was so much fun. It was clever despite it being predictable at times, but it was so self-aware of that and you just went on for that ride. I thought De Niro was excellent. I thought Tommy Lee Jones just... He, he still delivered this leading man 
you know, persona about him. Mm. I thought he had a lot of charisma behind his character as well. And I was very impressed by Zach Braff and Emil Hirsch dipping in and out as well. So I'm going to give this one for Popcorn Kernels. Okay, well, it's always amusing when Hollywood pokes fun at at itself and you get this cast together and it's always going to be entertaining. I'm going to give it three and a half kernels. So the comeback trail is in Australian cinemas now. Grab your posse and see it. (laughs) Full of the puns today. (laughs) I am loving them sick. So now on to movie and trailer news. But before we do, we're very excited because it's time to announce another giveaway. We are delighted to be giving away five double passes to see The Witches in Australian cinemas from December 10. The movie is a reimagining of the Roald Dahl story and stars the lovely Anne Hathaway, the amazing Octavia Spencer and the always delightful Stanley Tucci. To enter, all you have to do is head to the Popcorn Podcast Facebook or Instagram page, make sure you like it and drop a comment on the giveaway post tagging your coven. All right, Lee, this piece of news is fantastic. Is it? I don't know. I'm going to throw to you. Go on. (laughs) Gerard Butler has signed on for a fourth movie in the Has Fallen franchise. (laughs) I feel like this is a bit of an accidental franchise. I don't know how it still exists. (laughs) I don't know. The movie's called Night Has Fallen. I'm not sure who Night refers to. No, because it's been a limp. Has fallen. Angel has fallen. Angel has fallen. So, like, who's Knight? Very strange. Anyway, we'll just have to wait and see. Butler will return to the character of Mike Banning, who was promoted to director of the Secret Service at the end of the last film, which seems like it'd be a cushy desk job. (laughs) Not if we know anything about this character. (sighs) Look, it's the franchise that keeps on giving, so let's wait to uh, see the first trailer drop and we'll make make a decision how excited we are or aren't. We got the first look images of a movie called Gunpowder Milkshake, which is coming in 2021. Tell us what this movie is about. So it's about a secret sisterhood that comes to the rescue of a mother-daughter assassin team, which sounds pretty sick. It stars Michelle Yeoh, Karen Gillian, Angela Bassett, and Paul Giamatti, which heck, what a lineup. This looks really good. I feel like 2021 is going to be the era of kick-ass ensemble films for women. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's just going to be kick-ass for cinema in general. Like, We're just so, 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 so jam-packed with film releases. I'm so ready for movies. Give me more movies. I think we need to like buy a seat in a cinema And just like, you know, the whole working from home thing, you know, we're being really flexible. I'm just going to work from a cinema because we're just (laughs) going to be there so often next year. Can't wait. Shouldn't we have our own box seat by now anyway? Oh, yes, darling. We'll sort that out. (laughs) So Johnny Depp has been asked to leave the Fantastic Beast franchise due to the controversies surrounding his court battles with ex-wife Amber Heard. Mm. But this is really amazing, isn't it? He's still pocket his 10-figure salary, despite the fact that he only filmed one scene. Right, so they'd started filming, mm. and then they fired him. Yep, or asked him to leave. So basically, he got a redundancy package worth millions of dollars. Well, look, I think that's the result of very good lawyer or contract that means he, yep. you know, just pockets that no matter what happens to the film and his involvement. But it almost makes me feel a little bit icky, doesn't it? Mm. That, you know, he's been asked to leave this family franchise because of his ongoing legal battles with mm. uh, domestic around domestic violence, which is very, very serious. But he's kind of, I wouldn't say rewarded, but he's st- he's not being reprimanded enough. Like, mm. you know, he takes away a 10-figure salary. That's pretty extraordinary. Well, I mean, I don't think he's been found guilty. So that's kind of a dangerous, Sorry. slippery slope where, you know, mm. do you start punishing people based on public opinion? This is a difficult thing. You are so right. Um, and I guess it's, yeah, difficult to comment on that, isn't it? But it's pretty extraordinary 
circumstance that Warner Brothers and Johnny Depp found themselves in regardless. One thing though, who should take over the role? Oh, that is very good. I always found Johnny Depp probably wasn't the best piece of casting for Grindelwald. Really? Yeah. uh, I don't know who to suggest. Could they somehow pivot it back to Colin Farrell? (gasps) Of course. That was actually a bit of a slap in the face because he is such a good actor and Mm. then it turned out that oh no lol it's actually Johnny Depp it's like no can we get Colin Farrell back that's such a good idea but maybe that wouldn't work because he's already used that disguise but he's out and about anyway so it's not a disguise yes true yeah he could just revert back to it and not give a shit so that's a really good idea time will tell so we got the trailer for super intelligence starring the hilarious melissa mccarthy and james gordon when an all-powerful super intelligence chooses to study average carol peters i love the name it's so perfect uh played by mccarthy the fate of the world hangs in the balance as the ai decides to enslave save or destroy humanity it's up to carol to prove that people People are worth saving. <laughs> and Super Intelligence is coming to Australian cinemas on December 17th, so we don't have to wait long for that one. Not long. Bring it on. What do you think about the casting choice of James Corden as the artificial intelligence? Well, they kind of call that out in the trailer that it's like, you sound like James Gordon. It's like, I'm not James Gordon, but his, his likeness, his voice was assigned for something that she yeah. had done in the past. Look, I don't know. I feel like he's a little bit oversaturated, to be honest. How do you feel about his casting? Well, I think Ricky Gervais said that once and they've had a beef ever since about it. Oh, it should be Ricky Gervais. That would be better. Mm. It'd probably be a bit drier. <laughs> okay. I love Ricky Gervais, but yeah, it would be a bit too dry, I think. We also got a trailer for Happiest Season, which is a holiday romantic comedy that captures the range of emotions tied to wanting your family's acceptance, being true to yourself and trying not to ruin Christmas in the process. It stars Dan Levy of Schitt's Creek fame. We've got Mackenzie Davis in there and Kristen Stewart. And I think this is going to be a really beautiful film. Mm -hmm. Did you get good vibes from this? Yeah. I love a good holiday ensemble film that's all about family and the trials and tribulations that go along with that. It's things that people can really, really relate to at the yep. time of the holidays and, and being all together as a family. So that's coming to cinemas on November 26. We also got a trailer for Wild Mountain Time, which is about a pair of star-crossed lovers in Ireland who get caught up in their family's land dispute, starring Emily Blunt, John Hamm, Christopher Walken and Jamie Doran. Now, this looks Terrible. And I hate to say that because I love Emily Blunt. Jamie Dornan is about the only Irish person in it. Okay. So he's Irish? Yeah. Because I was so distracted by Christopher Walken's Irish accent. (laughs) I know. I'm like, he still sounds like Christopher Walken. I'm not going to try and do a Christopher Walken accent because I'll embarrass myself. (laughs) Don't even try doing Christopher Walken doing Irish. No. I mean, gosh, you'll have an aneurysm trying. I I think he's almost having one himself. I mean, it's a cool cast and it would probably look like a great story but i just could not connect with this at all do you think because the trailer was fucking all over the shop you didn't really get a sense of what the movie was about it just kept chopping and changing but emily blunt does look really really sweet and charming so i think maybe we'll get something from emily in this movie it's coming in 2021 with a date yet to be confirmed okay lee i think i might take this one please i can't I'll just say it out loud and then you can have a comment off the back of it. So we're about six weeks from Wonder Woman 1984. Don't say it. To open in theatres on Boxing Day in Australia. And Warner Brothers execs are at the moment considering whether to push the highly anticipated superhero sequel to the summer of 2021 
or keep the movie on its December theatrical debut and then put it on HBO Max streaming service, which in Australia we don't have, so I don't know what Mm. that means for us. And they'd be looking to put that on that streaming service in early January, which isn't a very long theatrical release, so kind of be in tandem. So we're not sure how to feel about this, but Lee, what, what do you want to say? I don't mind if they keep it on the December release because then that means the rest of the world will get it mm-hmm. and they'll do a short release in America and then put it on HBO Max mm. in America. Yeah. Because, I mean, HBO Max is really struggling to compete with things like Disney and Netflix. So this would be a massive boost for them. It'd be a smart way to go for sure. Yeah. And I think people like me, for example, will riot if it gets pushed to next summer. Yeah. But- Patty Jenkins, the director, has been very adamant that she wants this film to be seen on the big screen and it really should be seen on the big screen. Yeah, I completely agree. Look, this movie, if released to its full potential, will break a billion dollars. So that's what's at stake here. Like, it's not just chump change and there's a lot of money to be made out of this franchise. But I think studios just need to understand that during this year, everyone needs to take the hit. Mm. Like, you're not going to make that amount of money back you're still going to lose money this year if you push things. So just do it. Just release it. And there's so much content backed up waiting to go. And people are hungry for these movies. Oh, so just, hungry. Just give it to them and take the hit. You can afford it. The thing is that if it does move to summer of 2021, it then sets off this domino effect. So yeah. even though we might get Wonder Woman in July or whatever, it means that the film that was originally scheduled there it just gets pushed back to the end of the year or beginning of the year after. And it's just, it's just a absolute mess. Mm. It's very stressful. I can imagine for all distributors and, and film businesses around the world. But look in Australia, we're here. We're ready. We're ready. Cinemas are open. Our friends in Melbourne, their cinemas are open now, which is fantastic. It's like, we're a market that is here. We've got cash in our pockets and we will go and see film. We will go and see cinema yes. this holiday season. Give it to us. They need to let go of this day and date release model that they've had a stranglehold on for, you know, decades. Yeah. Just let it go. This is a new world. <laughs> go with it. What a soundbite to end another <laughs> episode of Popcorn Podcast on. We reviewed The Comeback Trail and also Freaky. Get out and see them. They're in Australian cinemas now. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. We have a website popcornpodcast.com. Go check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you to listen to. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run giveaways, so keep an eye on the website for more information. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.